You are listening to the Embassy Church Podcast, and here is today's message. You know, I'm so thankful for this church body, and I, I have to say that, very humbly say this, is that you know when you're being prayed for. And you know that when you're being covered in this church, does it well. You really do. There are times as a pastor where you don't know what to do. You're afraid. Um, There's not just times. There's most of the time you don't know what to do. (laughs) It's like they say it in the Bible, and Lord, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you (laughs) going into battle. And I'm always so constantly so thankful for the people in this church because I know that you pray for me. I know you pray for our elders, and I just want you to know that you may think it's a little thing because you don't see it, but we feel it, and we know. So thank you. Thank you. And so I say that to encourage us as the body to also um, pray for Adam and Courtney um, as they've been sent out from our house as well. And, and pray for Cliff and Colleen as they're pastoring the, the seniors down the street. And then pray for James and Deanna as they're being sent out and cover them in prayer. Okay? Okay. Well, we're going to talk about unity, and this time, hopefully, I get to preach on the message that I have, <laughs> as last week, that, that got hijacked, but that's okay. I would rather have the Holy Spirit um, than my agenda. So we remember last week, we were in Ephesians, and we were talking about the unity of the body of Christ, and Ephesians 4, 2 says... With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, being diligent to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And we talked about how diligent, being diligent means that we make every effort that we exert ourselves. That's what the word means, to exert oneself to keep the unity. And the word keep means to stand on guard, that we're watching for unity in the body of Christ. And we talked about how important unity of the body of Christ is. This was Jesus' prayer. Make them one as we are one. That this was the prayer of Jesus. And we talked about us being the body of Christ that each of us have a function and a place in the body. And that when we allow disunity to come into the body, instead of us working um, from a place of unity, we turn on ourselves. And we talked about the autoimmune diseases, right? Where the body begins to attack itself. 
And disunity within the body does that. It turns on itself and begins to attack its own self. I think it's James. I think it's James where it talks about that they devour one another. He's giving a warning of devouring and eating one another. And that when we, call, when we allow disunity to come into the body, this is the kind of things that begin to happen that instead of us standing together and, and taking ground and fighting for things together, that we actually begin to weaken our body. And I believe that we've seen this over the years. Anyone that's been in church for a length of time has seen when disunity gets in the body, it begins to rob from the body. It begins to take people out. There are people that aren't even serving Jesus anymore because of disunity in the body. We are representatives of Jesus. How well are we doing that? You guys are quiet. You're right, Aaron. They're quiet today. <laughs> good, good. So the guarding of unity should be placed in high priority. Like that we read in Ephesians 4, to be diligent, to preserve and do everything that it takes. The Bible talks about, and this is where we stopped last week. The Bible talks about relationships and working together with fellow believers and how to deal with even conflict in in relationship. It gives instruction that if this is going on, you should do this. And so in Matthew 5, verse 23, we read this last week. I'm going to read it again. It says, therefore, if you are presenting your offering at the altar, and, and then you remember that your brother has something against you, leave your offering at the altar and go and be reconciled to your brother, and then come and present your offering. I think we, we talk about offering here um, when we give gifts and, and when we, um, you know, even bring our tithes and our offerings or we bring our worship, that, that it is all acts of us bringing gifts to God, bringing worship. And he says, this is so important. This is also worship. To be reconciled to your brother. This is worship to me. He says, that's beautiful to me. Then it talks about, okay, if there is conflict in the body, Matthew 18, 15, if, if this is what you're going through, it says this, if another believer sins against you, go privately and point out the offense. If the other person listens, listens and confesses it, you have won that person back. But if you are unsuccessful, take one or two others with you, go back again, so that everything you may say be confirmed by two or three witnesses. If the person still refuses to listen, take it to the, take it to the church. Then if he or she won't accept the church's decision, treat that person as pagan or as corrupt um, tax collectors. There's, there's order that God gives of like, hey, if there is, if you've had that conversation with somebody and it's like, hey, we need to, we need to work this out. But he says, notice he says, that's the first thing you do is you go to the person and you try to make it right. But I think opposite often happens. That 
maybe fear of being rejected or fear of being hurt or whatever, what, I, I don't know, that instead of going to the person, we either just immediately cut them off or we begin to talk to everybody about what they did to us. And, and God says, that's not, that's not protecting the unity of the body. This is what you are to do. Maintaining relationships and watching out for each other should be something we take very seriously. And like I said last week, I think it will cost you something. What cost are you paying for unity? Oftentimes, choosing unity is choosing humility. It's letting go of me wanting to be the right one. But choosing reconciliation over rightness. So let's talk about some things that cause disunity in the body. Sowing discord. A question to ask yourself is, are you a safe place for gossip and slander? Am I somebody that is a safe place for you to come and talk about somebody else? Or am I the type of person that someone would think twice about talking about somebody? Are you quick to tell someone how someone else has wronged you? I know that this is, um, this is kind of the way that we have all been kind of raised, right? You should go tell somebody how you've been wronged. Go tell them about that person. And I, and I warn you against that. I warn you against it because I remember it happening to me, and I believe, like, God even allowed it to happen so I could begin to see what actually happens as it, as it takes place. I remember somebody talking to me about somebody, and, and it was in the name of, I'm just venting, okay? I'm just venting. So just hear me out. I'm venting. And, and so they were talking about someone, and I, I just had never thought anything bad about that person before. I just, I knew they had flaws, because we all do, right? They have those, like, idiosyncrasies that are weird, but it was like, well, it's that person. But it wasn't until I allowed that person to begin to talk to me about their own issues. It didn't affect me at all. It opened up something in my own life, and I began to hate that person. I saw them differently. I, 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 I saw them, and it wasn't anything, that, but now everything that they did just irritated me. And, and I never realized it until I could feel it in my heart. And you know when you have ugly, I sound like I'm talking to children, you know when you have ugly in your heart towards someone? But that's what it felt like, it felt ugly. 
Every time I thought about that, oh, that person irritates me. And I was washing dishes, and Holy Spirit, help me say this right. He kind of took me back to the story of the Garden of Eden, where Eve partook of an apple that she wasn't supposed to. It wasn't meant for her. God said no. But she did it anyway, and suddenly her eyes were open, the Bible says. And suddenly she saw her own nakedness. And God said, you partook of something you were never supposed to. And it opened your eyes to things I never wanted you to see. When we allow, when we become that safe place, it, it unveils things that just wasn't meant for us to partake in. And whether you see it in the moment or not, it begins to affect something in your own life. You, you all of a sudden have judgments against somebody that you shouldn't, and it begins the separation process. It begins the discord process. And so let us not be ones that will be the safe place for it, or ones that are looking for the person to tell it to because it's causing something in the spirit. Proverbs 6 says, there are six evils God truly hates. This is, just the, this is just such a serious verse. There are six evils God hates. This should be like all of us like, what is it, God? <laughs> I don't want to be a part of it if there's evil that you hate. I don't want to be that, okay? And then it says, but there are seven that are abomination to him. Excuse me. And the seventh is an abomination to him. Then it begins to list them, putting others down while considering yourself superior. That, that's causing discord. Um, spreading lies and rumors. Spilling the blood of innocent. Plotting evil in your heart toward another. Gloating over doing what's plainly wrong. Spouting lies in evil testimony. And this is the seventh, stirring up strife between friends. And then it ends with they, this. These are entirely despicable to God. Wow. That's intense. Have I been involved in things that were entirely despicable to God? Why aren't you laughing? <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> if you are sowing discord you will reap it. You may not reap it right away, but you will reap it. James 1.26 says, If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Wow. If anyone thinks he is religious, but you don't bridle your tongue, it's worthless. The nature of God is unity and oneness, and the nature of Satan is division and accusation. 
What nature do I partner with? There are verses that state that if someone who gossips or talks about people, that we shouldn't even associate with them. And I think it's kind of also what we talked about, what, it begin, what, what actually begins to happen in our hearts and lives. When we are in the company of somebody that gossips, what actually begins to happen to our own life, what it sets in motion in the body of Christ. It's sin. And when you begin to talk about it and you invite other people into it, you invite other people into your own sin. You begin to spread it. I worked in the nail salon, and uh, when I was working at Deborah Lee's, I uh, worked with like seven other nail techs, and we all worked in a circle. And so you can imagine the stories that you hear about Prince Albert <laughs> and the people in Prince Albert in a nail salon surrounded by women. <laughs> and um, so I knew a lot. I knew a lot of what was going on in different people's lives and all that. I had a best friend, and we were tight, and she moved away. And she ended up coming back to PA, and um, we kind of weren't as close as we used to be, but she um, started coming to get her nails done by me. And I had, because she was my friend, I was a safe place where gossip came from. <laughs> and so I remember, she's not a, not a believer at all. But I began to just like tell her all the gossip. Every time she came, I'd be like, and then this person, and then that person, and then this. And I remember one time as I was telling her, I remember the look on her face. Not a believer, so it's not like, oh, she shouldn't be gossiping. It was the look of like, who has she become? I can't trust her. I, I remember it. I remember the guard coming up. I remember the division that actually began to happen in her and my life because I was no longer a safe place. When you gossip and talk about people, you are not a safe place. You're not a safe place for me to come. The Bible talks about, and I think we'll read it in a moment, I don't think it's in this, it's not. The Bible talks about how we are to confess our sin one to another so that we would be healed. Who on earth would want to come to somebody who gossips with a problem, with a hurt, with a wound? You are not a safe place. And, and this is exactly the place that the enemy would try to get us in because eventually what happens is it will cut you off. from the body or separate you from it because you're not safe, because of what it's done in your own heart and life, because of how you see people. In um, 1 Thessalonians 5.11, it says, therefore, therefore, encourage one another and build each other up 
just as in fact you are doing. Encourage this instead, encourage one another and build each other up. Another way of bringing disunity is isolation. Isolation from the body is also disunity. Proverbs 18 verse 1 says, Whoever pulls away from others to focus solely on his own desires disregards any sense of sound judgment. The enemy will try to cause you to isolate from the body of Christ, to draw away from the body of Christ, um, cause you to say things like just me and God and nobody else. And there is strategy behind that. And, and, and we must be warned and we must be aware of it. There are times where I want to draw away from the body of Christ. I'm sure we've all been there where it's like, you know, this hurts too much or this takes too much or this feels like investing too much. I don't want to go to my brother and reconcile. <laughs> I don't want to do those things. But there is strategy of the enemy to cause you to become divided away from the body of Christ. Read Read Ecclesiastes 4.12. It says this, A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple-braided cord is not easily broken. When you begin to consider isolation thoughts or consider backing away from the body of Christ, understand that the enemy is at work to conquer and to divide and conquer. That's the strategy. That's what's going on. If I can get you alone, I can take you out. But if I can, but if you are kept in the body, everybody protecting, being on guard, being diligent to guard the unity of the body, then you're not a target. He can't get at you because you're being protected. The biggest area in your life that is an open door to the enemy in your life has less to do with the temptation you are struggling with and more to do with the issue of relationships in your life. This is the verse I read, or I said a couple of minutes ago from James 5. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Community, community, the body of Christ walking together. Hebrews 10.25 says, And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now. Especially now. Don't, don't neglect it. Especially now. We need to be walking together. And I, and I believe that's why we've stayed focused on unity so strong, is especially now. We need to be walking together. The other is a critical or a judgmental spirit. 
that causes disunity. Matthew 7, verse 2 says, don't pick on people. <laughs> Jump on their failures, criticize their faults. Unless, of course, you want the same treatment. The critical spirit has a way of boomeranging. It's easy to see a smudge on your neighbor's face and be oblivious to the ugly sneer on your own. I'm just, for, for sake of time, I'm just going to skip the rest of it, but you can read Matthew 7, um, 2 to 6. A lot of the body of Christ has been guilty of this, of judging from church to church, of their ways of doing things, thinking that our way is better, when really what you are judging is your own preference. It's just the way that you like things done. We, we, we like the worship in our church. And we like the loudness and the, we, we like that. And so then we look at others and like, oh, well, their worship just really isn't on par. <laughs> That's your preference. We like different preachers or we like different ways of doing things. And some people like loud, vibrant, bouncy preachers and others like quiet. We judge the way people pray. It's like, oh, I don't like that. An intercessor gets up and does intercessor things. I don't like that. No, that's just your preference. It's just your preference. And, and, and that comes from a critical or a judgmental spirit. Instead of, man, can we get as the church to just celebrate each other's uniquenesses? Like, man, I would never do that. But cool, that's them and I love it. That's kind of weird, but it's cool because that's them and I love it. I've been thinking about that lately where there's times where I'm like, oh, and I'm like, no, you know what? No, I'm not. I love that. God made them so unique. I'm going to embrace this. As long as it's not ungodly, you know? <laughs> but it, like, is it unbiblical? No. So that's just my preference. And then we form prejudices off of those preferences. Another, another good verse for you to read at, a, at another time would be Romans 14. It talks about quarreling over people's opinions, over your own opinions, that you're fighting over things that, that you actually just like. It's just your opinion. It talks about eating things, sacrifice to idols, and, 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 and there are all of these opinions that are going on. And, and it actually talks about what you should do and what you shouldn't do. Read it. That's your homework. <laughs> what you should do and what you shouldn't do. There are times that to protect the body of Christ, you may, 
you, God may have given you an okay to do it. It's not sin for you, but when you're around them, don't do it because they have a firm belief on it. Respect it to protect them, not fighting for your own right. Well, God said, I don't have to do, or I don't have to listen to that. Whatever. You protect them. Instead of causing division in the middle of it, I'm just going to keep my mouth, just going to keep my mouth shut. Romans 12 verse 4 says, For in the same way that one body has so many different parts, each with different functions, we too, the many, are different parts that form one body in the anointed one. Each one of us is joined with one another and we become together what we could not be alone. That's why we celebrate each other's differences. But because you're doing that, I'm doing this, we're together. I can't just be me alone. I need you. And together we become something wonderful that God designed. Since our gifts vary depending on the grace poured out on each of us, it is important that we exercise the gifts we have been given. Then there's division, 1 Corinthians 1.10. My brothers and sisters, I urge you by the name of our Lord Jesus, the anointed one, to come together in agreement and do not allow anything or anyone to create division among you. Instead, be restored, completely fastened together with one another and shared judgment. Do not let anything or anyone create division among you. Be on guard. Unforgiveness. We talked about this last week. Unforgiveness is sin. See to it that, uh, Hebrews 12, see to it that no one falls short of God's grace, that no root of resentment springs up and causes trouble, and by it many be defiled. It defiles you, and it eventually will defile many. I'm trying to whip through my, my uh, scriptures here. I'm almost finished. Psalms 133. We know this. It says, how wonderful and how pleasant it is when brothers dwell together in unity. For unity is precious as anointing oil. That was poured out over Aaron's head that ran down his beard. That, on the, that onto the border of his robe. Unity is as refreshing as the dew from Mount Hermon and falls on the mountains of Zion. And there the Lord has pronounced his blessing, even life forevermore. It says unity is like anointing oil and it flows down. Where there is no unity, the Holy Spirit is quenched. And there will be a lack of anointing where there is disunity. You see it in Acts 4, verse 32, where the, the, the believers have come together in unity. It says, verse 12, all the believers were united in heart and mind, and they felt that what they owned was not their own, so they shared everything they had. The, the apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And look at this. And God's great blessing was upon them all. 
going to start with unity. When you see disunity, this is for you to recognize that it is your call to action. This is, this is for us to recognize now that you are being commissioned to be on guard for disunity in the body. To watch for it, to guard against it, it will cost you. You're going to have to guard yourself and you're going to have to guard others around you. This is your mission if you choose to accept it. <laughs> oh, this is my last verse and then we'll pray. Philippians 2 says, Therefore, if there is any encouragement and comfort in Christ, as there certainly is in abundance, if there is any consolation of love, if there is any fellowship that we share in the Spirit, if there is any great depth of affection and compassion, make my joy complete by being of the same mind, having the same love towards one another, knit together in the Spirit, intent on one purpose, and living a life that reflects your faith and spreads the gospel the good news regarding salvation through faith in Christ. Do nothing from selfish or empty conceit, through factional motives or through strife, but with an attitude of humility, being neither arrogant or self-righteous. Regard others as more important than yourself. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your leading and for your guiding. I know that you are speaking to each one of us here of places in our life where we have not been on guard for unity of the body of Christ. Father, we repent today for not protecting the unity of your body. We repent for being safe places for gossip, accusation, division, unforgiveness, for allowing those things in, for partaking in those things, for listening to those things, or to be those that let it happen through our lives. We repent for that. We want the world to know you, to know that we are followers of you by our love for one another. And so we hear the message that you are bringing to us, that you are speaking to us about unity within your body. And Father, as we walk into a new year, 
we are taking that seriously and recognizing that you are commissioning us to not be fighters within, but fighters together for the things of the kingdom. For you have called us in this season to take ground, to be those that walk in the kingdom, and we can't do it divided. We must be united. And so we take the commissioning of the unity of your spirit seriously. And we will stand on guard for those that you have connected us with, your body. Holy Spirit, allow the message of unity to become so loud and so clear and so bold within us. Let it be the thing that we carry because you have asked us to. And Father, I thank you for the greater anointing that is beginning to flow in your body because of the unity that takes place and the anointing that will flow into the cities, into the provinces, and into the country because of the body of Christ becoming unified. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. For more information about Embassy Church, visit our website at embassychurch.ca.